All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Manoush. And as I prepared this week's New Tech City episode, all about genetics and technology, I couldn't stop thinking about my friend and why being able to name an illness is so important. Dravet syndrome. One of my best friends finally has a name for what her nine-year-old daughter has. And I couldn't bring myself to ask her to record an interview with me for the show because the diagnosis is pretty devastating. It isn't autism or plain old epilepsy or metal toxicity or any of the other things the specialists hypothesized over the years. Dravet syndrome is a rare genetic mutation that causes incessant seizures. Her little girl is never going to talk. She'll most likely need care for the rest of her life. She acts like a two-year-old trapped in a nine-year-old's body. And after hundreds of appointments with doctors, hours with therapists, and harrowing trips to the ER... It was a single visit to a special clinic in Miami that confirmed the diagnosis two weeks ago. There's no cure, but now my friend knows why her child is disabled. She can stop feeling guilty about it. There was nothing she could have done. But sometimes, something can be done about a disease, if the technology gets to you soon enough. In a minute, we'll visit the newest, most advanced center for gene research. But first... I'd like to introduce you to someone who works somewhere a little more rural. My name is Rebecca Smoker, and I've been working here since 1990. Rebecca Smoker works at the Clinic for Special Children in Strasburg, Pennsylvania. And over the summer, I went to visit because I was intrigued. Intrigued that this clinic with incredibly high-tech genetic testing technology is in the middle of a cornfield. Okay, cue the horse and buggy sounds because, yep. It serves the Amish and Mennonite communities. And these communities have some very particular problems. Rebecca herself is Amish, and she told me about her sister and brother-in-law. They never were able to find out what was wrong with their children. They had four. Two of them have since died. But when he finally came up with an answer, it was like a miracle to my sister. Because finally, she knew what was wrong. It's better than not knowing. Rebecca's nieces and nephews were diagnosed with GA1, glutaric acidemia type 1, a genetic disease commonly found in the closed gene pools of these so-called founder populations. Other syndromes they often suffer from have names like maple syrup urine disease or chicken breast disease. With the first one, the body can't break down amino acids. With chicken breast disease, the sternum will rise up out of the chest, muscle growth stalls, and a child becomes too weak to breathe. Both diseases are fatal if they go untreated. These babies need to be checked for this because I know how bad it is when it's not detected. 
The man doing the checking was Dr. Holmes Morton, a Harvard-educated geneticist who started the clinic as a nonprofit with his wife. After realizing these communities weren't being treated and that they represented a unique opportunity for research. Rebecca Smoker became his liaison to communities that shun outsiders and don't exactly embrace technology. She doesn't need to do much explaining these days because Dr. Morton and his clinic are so accepted. Now Dr. Kevin Strauss is the clinic's medical director. He arrived in 2001. I drove down a dirt road in the middle of rural Lancaster County. Uh, I had to drive my car around buggies on the way to the clinic. And I walked into a timber frame building that had been built by Amish and Mennonite hands. Strauss says the clinic identifies around 10 new genetic diseases a year. Grants and donations pay for the latest in genetic sequencing technology in the lab. And the clinic's annual budget of $1.7 million saves the communities more than 10 times that a year, simply by intercepting the diseases. If we wait until a child with a genetic disease comes to our office for the first time after a massive seizure or in liver failure or with a brain injury that's going to put them in a wheelchair, then we've lost our opportunity. We've lost our window to utilize the predictive power of genetics. So if we put roots down in a community where we know the risk is high, if we put a service where it needs to be and we make scientific efforts and public health efforts to reach out and find these genetic risks in healthy babies, then we can design ways to keep them healthy. In the case of some of these genetic diseases, that window of opportunity is in the first hours, days, and weeks of life. With GA1, for example, a baby can seem completely fine. But if he isn't diagnosed, he can suffer brain damage, lose the ability to speak, never walk, and worse as Rebecca told me. Well, I remember one of the first times that I was away on a Sunday visiting, and there was this family, and they were talking about their neighbor whose little boy uh, didn't wake up from his nap one day. He was not less than a year old, a baby. But if a baby is diagnosed early on, he can get special formula and later be put on a low-protein diet and lead a normal life. And that's why the families have no problem with the technology, according to Kevin Strauss. The Amish and Mennonite opposition to technologies has nothing to do with technology per se. It is really a protest against the ways in which technology isolate us from each other in the modern world, the ways in which technology make us less dependent on one another, the ways in which technology break up communities and families. So they take a hard look at the technology, kind of like running it through an Amish algorithm. And in the case of medical science, Strauss says, if they can see that the technology is life-affirming and strengthening the community, then they'll support it, especially since they're only being charged $25 for these tests. And so ironically, with this population, we have found, working with collaborators, that our Amish and Mennonite patients who know very little about the science behind the technologies, are often much more willing research and study participants than in the, in the what we call English or outbred population because they see the value in their communities. The Amish and Mennonite reject state and federal insurance, but they raise millions for the clinic through benefit quilt auctions where they sell pounds of shoe fly pie and donuts. They do things their own way in Amish country, and that also applies to family planning. 
Strauss says back in the mainstream world, he never saw a family who would have two kids with the same genetic disease. They just stopped having children after one or they did prenatal genetic testing. But in Amish country, genetic knowledge makes no difference. We have families who have four, five, or six children with the same genetic disease. Here's how one father put it to the doctors. You know, we appreciate what you do. We appreciate your efforts, and we're grateful for them. But you have to understand that um, these are God's special children, and they will always be among us. And they teach us something very important about how to care for each other, how to be compassionate, how to be better people, better communities. We understand how to tease apart the human genome with cutting-edge technology, says Strauss. But the next frontier is putting that knowledge to work. How do you implement what we know? How do you leverage what we know to actually change people's lives? And that often requires very low-tech, practical solutions. See what the Clinic for Special Children looks like. Just go to newtechcity.org for a beautiful video that will transport you to Amish country. Okay, so I'm back from the fields of Amish country in the city, in New York, and in the studio with me is Emma Keller. Hello, Emma. Hello. You are a journalist. You've been writing for The Guardian. You also do some health coverage for WNYC. Yes. And you visited a place that was very different. You know, in Amish country, it's this very small, tight genome pool, right? And that's right. what the scientists find so interesting. But you're sort of looking at the other end of the spectrum. That's right. The opposite, really, of what you're talking about, because the Genome Center builds itself as being the biggest, most diverse pool of genetics, because it's here in New York City, where you've got every ethnicity. So where you're looking at a tiny group of people, the Genome Center is looking at almost every example that you can, because we've had such a huge immigrant population here. And where yours is very, very small, their machinery is big, their technology is very advanced. And they are looking to serve not just the state, but eventually the country and share their data with people all around the world to try and analyze the origin of every kind of disease you can imagine. Okay, so when we're talking about this, I actually find it very difficult to sort of picture it in my mind. Emma, it's actually right around the corner from the studios, WNYC studios. What does it look like? From the street, it looks like any old nondescript New York modern building. Uh, brand new. Uh, inside, it's very sophisticated, very fancy, brand new. You have to identify yourself by voice. It's an enormous facility once you do get inside and get upstairs. I went up and was met by Dr. Bob Donnell, who's the president of the New York Genome Center, and who led me around for a three-hour tour of the facility. Those are the clinical sequencers. Each one costs a million dollars. Each fridge this is not a fridge. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. That hurt. <laughs> I love that, that you insulted him the minute you walked in. <laughs> but they, well, let's just go with it, though. They look like refrigerators? They look like the sort of refrigerators that people have in very fancy third houses. <laughs> Where they usually keep wine yes, and not exactly. DNA. Yes, exactly. Okay, I love it. So what is their main focus then health-wise? Is it research? It's research. They share some of their information with drugs companies so that drugs companies can target disease more specifically. It's treating people who are currently sick 
um, so that if you have a tumor, it gets sent there and the DNA of the tumor is analyzed. And that's led to some surprising findings. When you actually sequence 10 people who have breast cancer, all 10 of them are, have different disease. So by taking an average cocktail to treat your tumor, you're getting something that is statistically good, but for you may not be so good. So, Emma, of course, this hits a very personal note with you because, listeners, if you Google Emma Keller, the first thing that comes up is a very long and very intimate piece that was written by Emma about her experience with breast cancer. Yes, but where I'm at an advantage and actually don't need the New York Genome Center is that my breast cancer was at such a preliminary stage, I didn't need to have chemotherapy or radiation. It was cured, if you like, purely by uh, surgery. He's talking about people who have surgery and then go on to have some kind of a drug cocktail afterwards. And he's talking about creating a drug cocktail that essentially will become completely personalized to every cancer victim. So that sounds incredibly promising, Yes, right? it's, it's sort of... If you think about how chemotherapy is now, it's sort of like the early days of birth control pills or antidepressants when you were given these huge amounts of medicine that were too much for you but sort of knocked out whatever it was that you had at the same time. He's now talking about looking at how receptive your tumor is to X drug and giving you just the right amount of that drug to take out your tumor. Okay, so continuing with the breast cancer example, you don't have breast cancer anymore, but you do have two girls. So uh, just sort of looking at it in long term, is this about how families sort of plan their lives? What the New York Genome Center wants to do eventually is to screen every child born in New York State thus replacing the blood test that is already mandatory for newborns here in New York, um, which costs $50 and which Dr. Darnell, the president of the Genome Center, says is not a very efficient way of screening for certain things like sickle cell and the things that your kids get screened for when they're born. And testing them in a way like the Amish, actually, but for a much longer series of diseases. I don't know if you're aware, but there's about 250,000 children born in New York State every year. And every single one of them gets their heel pricked and blood taken and tested uh, with no consent, actually. It's just deemed to be in the common good. Those tests are very good, but they're not perfect. I mean, I'm, I have to say, I am shocked. I, I have two little ones. They definitely got their heels pricked. And you look at their little heel when they deliver the newborn to you and you're lying in your hospital room and they're all swaddled. And then you see their little heel with the bandage yeah. on it and you think, what did they do to my baby? And I actually, to be honest, I didn't really ask. Am I a total idiot? What? <laughs> what? They do this to every kid and then they don't tell us? They do this to every kid and they only tell you the results if it's something that you need to be aware of. Um, no news is good news. Dr. Darnell is talking about testing newborns for a disease or for a gene that can cause disease, I should say, like the BRCA1 gene that can cause breast and ovarian cancer. And I asked him, why would you test a newborn for that and thus impose a cloud over that child's future? And he said, because we're making such advances in environmental studies and the environmental 
impact on the development of a disease like breast cancer. There could be things that the parents can do to protect a child from developing that cancer as that girl heads towards adulthood. And I thought that was very promising, actually. And Emma, may I ask... Have you gotten tested for the Brock? I did not get tested for it. But when I was at the New York Genome Center, I actually reconsidered the whole thought because when you get tested at the New York Genome Center, it suddenly becomes very exciting. He tells you all these things that you can find out about yourself. Your family tree could be where your great, great, great grandparents came from. I mean, he splits your heritage up. And then as he describes, like, say I did test positive for the BRCA gene. The reason I decided not to test for it was because I didn't want my daughters to know if we had that in our history. We've got enough to think about. But then I thought, well, if we do have it, and he's saying there are environmental things that you can do, maybe I should test for it. Although I haven't yet because testing at the New York Genome Center currently costs $3,000 and I wasn't going to pay that. Emma Keller, thank you so much for sharing your visit there. Thank you for having me. Woo! Heavy episode this week. Genes, technology, giving communities the power to decide which illnesses get carried on and which ones don't. We're entering a new era in family planning, that is for sure. And I'd love to hear what you think. Let me know on Twitter at New Tech City or on our website or on my Facebook page. Lots of places to go. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Thanks so much for listening. 